This is our first fashion and passion episode. I wanted to take the time to really sit with someone that I'm friends with, that I know all their story and that I have learned a lot from and someone that I felt was really ride or die. I think when you start something new, you want to feel that the people around you are supportive. I wanted our first guest to be people that I love and I feel very comfortable with. So I thought of Alicia Quarles. She's not what you would think of as as the creative artist because she's a journalist. So you think, what is a journalist creative? And it really is important. And she's going to tell you why a journalist is creative and how they change the spin on what we see, how they're affected by life, and, and how being in tough situations causes you to think a certain way and be a certain way. And I, I, I think that we can learn a lot from these people. Our, our guests that we have coming on are very, very interesting because it's not only like, oh, wow, they have a cool story. There's life lessons in there to learn. And there's and there's tricks of, of their industry, tricks of the trade that you can learn. And I, and I think Alicia, because her father was in journalism, and you'll learn more about that. Her father was in journalism. So she brings that into her life. And that's how she, as Pat says, it's in your DNA. And I think a lot of these things are in our DNA. And, and as you listen to people's stories, I think you're going to find the commonalities in your own DNA. So Alicia Quarles, exciting things going on in her life, even just in the last couple of weeks, since we taped this interview, Alicia Quarles is pregnant. How exciting, right? This is really exciting. So I'm very excited. My friend is having a baby. Very exciting. And it's kind of interesting how one door closes and suddenly another door opens. So as babies, so exciting. Very, very, very exciting. And she still continues to work at Good Morning America. Can't beat that. So we, we, get, a, we get a chance to still see her on TV. And we're going to be hearing more about her journey because it's very exciting. This pregnancy journey is, is a very special one. And I'll tell you more about it at the end of the podcast. Let's join Alicia Quarles. Hello, hello. Naeem Khan is here. I am so excited about our next guest, Jay Alexander. Alexander. New king yes. of New York Fashion That's Week. That's right. Raul Peñaranda. Stop it to make me blush like a white woman. Uh, what was that inspiration again? So inspiration was Norman Norell. Oh, I think what motivated me to keep going was paying the goddamn rent. How do you get to be the king of New York Fashion Week? Yes. When you are the underdog and you don't care I was trying to scream. I was trying to tell everybody, I'm here. Worked with a genius like him. You make things that are made by hand. It's craftsmanship at its best. That was kind of a routine that you knew how to do a deal with the timing. Oscar one time said to me, focus in the product yes. and let the product speak for itself. Yeah. You know, the real Miss J yeah. on Instagram, you know where to find my black ass. I love you guys. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Our next guest is someone who is all about entertainment, the red carpets, fashion. She's worked for ETV. She's worked for AP. She's worked for Headline News. She is now the head reporter for the Daily Mail. And she's a really good friend of mine. And in Hollywood, there are not always a lot of good friends. They act like your friends, but they're not. But this is my ride or die girl, Alicia, Alicia Quarles. Yes, the who, what, when, where, why reporter on Absolutely. the red carpet. Well, may I give it up for you two, Pat and Philip, the dynamic piece. Thank you. There you go. Yes. Pod. There you go. We keep it moist. <laughs> yes, we do. We love entertainment. We love what you do because you just bring it forward. You're the journalist who knows everything about who's who, what's what, and 
And what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about that. I know. <laughs> her. It's more yes, about her. About than her. Yeah. Who? What? You're it. You know, I, I think one of the things that's really important to talk about, just starting on this, is, is friends in Hollywood. Yes. Friends in this industry. You know, you got to have friends. We all know the songs. Thank we you for being that. a friend. Yeah. We could sing them all. But the reality is we have a lot of people we love. We have a lot of people we like. We have a lot of people we know that we don't like. Yes. And we have to work with them. But how do you find your real friends in an industry like this where they where they could be your best friend for years and cut your back? You know, I always call them friends and acquaintances, and I've learned the difference. My friends in the industry, I'm lucky. I could probably count them on four hands. <laughs> but it's because you come up together, right? So a lot of people, you might have been hustling on the red carpet together, running to fittings together, and you see people rise up in the industry, and you're so proud of them. And everything comes full circle. I can't tell you how many stylists and publicists and models that I work with now that I worked with 20 years ago. And we have respect for each other because we've come up. Now, once somebody cuts you in this industry, F them. Like, you know where they stand? You, you don't have to call them, read their best friends. You just know this person is not a person that I would ever interact with outside of work. You need to go forward. I mean, what's the worst thing they could think about you? You're so beautiful. Well, Why it's they what they do you? that doesn't, it's not what they think about you, it's, it's what, what they, they do. do. It's oh, what they do. they're doing a lot of bad and things. As a reporter, I think one of your greatest talents has to be actually intuition. Yes, thousand percent. It's intuition. I mean, I get paid to listen to people, to ask intelligent <laughs> questions, to ask hard questions. Sometimes you have to have those hard questions, but after being in this industry for 20 years. She started as a child. She was uh, yeah, three. She's, yeah, she looks she's like so a teenager. The skin, <laughs> the skin, so the skin right? But anyway, yeah. back to intuition. Back to intuition. Yeah, it's, it's so just, important. At a certain point, people respect you. They know that you're going to have to probably ask something difficult, but they know you'll do it ethically and that you'll be fair. And that goes a long way in this industry, I think. Have you ever had a case where somebody's really come out you as if you really came at them in a wrong way? Oh, yeah. Uh, Madonna came at me once. Oh, that's the one you don't want to get in the way of so her. So is that where you got like got the most valuable lesson in your life about something you said or what? Well, I no, mean... I, asked the, I asked a good question, and but I had to ask myself. I was like, hmm. Then afterwards, her publicist, who's a mentor of mine, and Madonna had always been good to me in my career. That particular day, she was getting hammered by a certain question. I happened to be like one of her last interviews of the day. She mm. was just frustrated, and her answer was pretty bad. And the publicist called me after and said, you know, can you not run that? And that's an ethical question right oh and that happens so how many times does that actually happen? very often and this is probably the only time in my career where i didn't run it I was like, hmm, is the juice worth the squeeze? Oh, oh baby. Yes. So, was that like of one of wisdom. your biggest failures? Would you call that one of them? To your integrity. I would I still mean... do the same things to this day, to oh, be honest with you. Good. That would have made headlines for a long time, but is the juice worth the squeeze? Oh. She answered it honestly. She answered it, it was savage, but you know, I've been around her a lot at that point. Everybody has a hard day, and so I gave her that grace. Was it the most ethical thing? I don't know, but I still would do the same thing. Well, who is the, the most influential person in your life, and how how did they impact you? My mother. Oh, well, it's here we a go. tie between mom and dad. So my dad was the first black newspaper president in the country. If not for him, I would not be in journalism, that's for sure. Say wow. his name. Oh, Say his Orge, name. Orge Quarles third. It means the quiet storm, Orge. Oh, wow. we love that. That is a, a really wonderful thing to think that in your DNA, it was passed yeah. on to you and you honored it. I, well, yeah. well, when we talk about like who do we want to interview as, as artists, you don't necessarily think of as journalist as an artist or somebody that's yes. on TV as a reporter, but I know because I I wear all those hats yes. <laughs> and several others, yes. that that is an art. So tell us about your dad and how that is in your DNA. There's, yeah, there's an art. He started as a newspaper boy growing up in Watts. Oh. If you ask my father, he'll say to you, I'm a businessman, not a journalist. Mm. I know I'm a journalist. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but he was like, what's the fastest way to grow in this industry? It was through advertising. So he went all the way through and he became the first black newspaper president in the country. It's with Gannett for 20 years, McClatchy. So all these, so we moved quite often. But on the flip side, my mother, educator, I mean, just my biggest Say cheerleader. Her name. Say Lin- her name. Lin- Linda Quarles. Yay, Linda Quarles. Linda Quarles. Let's Quarles. give it up for the moms. Yes. I'm classy and she fills me with such joy and belief in myself. Um, and I'm hard on myself, but she she's honest with me, but she she's always there for me. So I couldn't ask for more ride or die parent. And she's a teacher? She's she's retired now, but she was an educator for many years, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, well, an educator. You, I like that. So we don't say te- so we well, don't say teacher. Well, she was a teacher, but then she went in to be a career counselor, then she worked for the Gates Foundation. So I always think education. Wow. That umbrella. Yeah. Well, did you like have that. siblings or anything? I do. Uh, yeah, Is their name Amber Quarles? Amber Quarles. Oh. Let's give it up. And how did they affect your life? Well, Amber, she's a real fashion bitch. So oh, okay. <laughs> she really taught me to love fashion. And my love for Diane von Furstenberg started with my sister because Amber loved DVF. And I remember this story. I was working at E! News and I was interviewing Diane. I, I don't know why. Like I used to interview her a lot. Fashion week probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Surely. So, and my stylist at the time had pulled this bracelet for me. And he goes, Diane, where's this bracelet? He pulled it. My sister's watching TV and she goes, calls me. She goes, you fucking bitch. I'm like, forget, can I curse on here? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And she I'll say a fucking Shakespeare. bitch. Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, fucking bitch, don't curse on our fucking bitch. show. <laughs> yeah, we have a love-hate relationship. It's a sister relationship. Aww. She would do anything for mm-hmm. me, but, you know, will we be friends in life if we weren't sisters? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So I never thought she watched me at all. So she calls me and she says, you fucking bitch. I'm like, what? She goes, you know that's my push, push present. I go, what are you talking about? <laughs> she goes, you're wearing the bracelet I want. I go, wait, what bracelet? She goes, your interview with Diane. I go, that bracelet? She goes, Alicia, that bracelet's like $30,000. I go, that bracelet's $30,000. <laughs> I had left it on a desk at NBC. Like, oh. all, yeah, I, I just kind of took it off, and I was oh. like, oh, shit. So I, oh. I went down to 30 Rock. I got that oh. bracelet, put it up, <laughs> gave it back the next day. That Absolutely. must be one of your favorite things because it has such a good story to go with it. It's a family heirloom by now. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I gave it back. I was like, okay. <laughs> what do you think's one of the saddest? I, I, we were together when we heard about... um. Whitney Houston dying. That was terrible. That was really, for me, that was just such a devastating night in a fashion week. What you know, a like, loss. Fashion week loss. is just about joy and friends and yeah. fashion and creativity. And, and she we was were a standing model. there. I just remember yeah. seeing you. I mean, we were standing, the producer literally turned yeah. to us and said, oh my God, Whitney Houston is dead. And I just think, oh, goosebumps. And we were just so in shock. Was that one of the saddest moments? Or what, what do you think is one of the that saddest? That was absolutely one of the saddest moments. And then I think, conversely, covering her family for years. So me and my team at the AP, that's where I was at the time. We arranged for the cameras to be inside her funeral. So the cameras you saw, that was that was us. So that was, I just remember, that was my last assignment at AP before I left for E. And I, wow. I thought to myself, I'll never come back to Newark. Jokes on me, I had to go back to Newark yeah. every week, actually, for America's <laughs> Got Talent. But then also interviewing her daughter, Bobby Christine, and her dying in the same way. Spooky. Um, One of the saddest days of my career was the day Farrah Fawcett died that morning. Oh, and Michael. Oh my God. That was crazy. We were prepared for for Farrah. It's called obit preparedness. If you know somebody's sick, you write their obit, you get everything Right, it is what it is. Well, most of them, most people have their their obits are ready yes, already. Yes. You know, some but of that's well known. That's in the sort industry. of the unique Your thing about is you. Probably already written. No, I don't know. The unique no. the unique yeah. thing about you is that you know how to handle these things. Yes. You know, and you you just educate yourself and you learn as you go along. You know, yeah, that's you, really important. Yeah, and that's that's what's the beauty of working at the AP for ten years. I started. At the bottom, learned every job and really learned how to be a reporter, really source it and handle things with care. But that so that day was hectic. Farrah died. And I was leaving, it was maybe like 5 p.m. And Nikesa Moody, who's now the Hollywood Reporter, one of my great friends, the time she was music editor at AP, she screamed. Mm. She was the biggest Michael fan. And 
Yeah. We found out that he died, and we went out to L.A., and family was just, uh, gosh, reporting was just all over the place. Yeah. We thought we'd be there for a few days, and we were there for weeks. It was just, that was very traumatic. That yeah. must have disturbed your morning routine. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. I don't know Everybody's for days. I, I mean, days. it was yeah. just like one of those things, like, you remember those moments. Yes. You just remember those moments when Farrah died, and you just sort of like, oh, my gosh. And then Michael, because I had done his last cover, so I was just really, I, I just couldn't believe it. It's yeah. it's, it's unbelievable, and those, those people are with you your whole life. And we don't know them, but they're friends in our head, right, as, in our as head. Wendy says, yes. we're friends in our head. Yeah, and going outside of his Encino home where he grew up, you know, because you're basically just doorstepping, hoping like a family member comes out, going outside of his mansion where he passed away. And all the details came out. It was just, it was, that was a hard one. And he was one of the first, I guess, big cases I covered in my career was that alleged molestation trial. And I remember oh, him yeah. showing up in pajamas and jumping on top of the car. And it just was full circle. <laughs> wacko Jacko. Yeah. I mean, God bless him. God bless he was him. wacko. I love him because you he was witnessed, so bold. Yeah, and, but you witnessed a history, the music history, and the people we love and disappearing. And to do his last photo shoots was just so it's a extraordinary. Lesson. I, I, I'm always mm -hmm. so grateful. I did several last photo shoots, River Phoenix last photo oh, shoot gosh. also. And I, and I feel like in my job to have legacy be a part of my, my job. And you, being a reporter, you have to have such a, a balance between your your, 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 your job and your, your intuition. And, yes. and you have to go to people in their worst time. Like, what should everyone consider when they make a decision in your profession? Fashion. Um, as far as if you're a celebrity or if you're a journalist? No, journalist. Um, mm -hmm. Be ethical. Mm. Because people will always remember if you were fair. Mm. Don't go in there trying to do gotcha journalism. Don't go in there. I don't, gotcha journalism is not a real thing. Don't try, Just don't try to do gotcha. Yeah. It's all about the marathon and not the sprint. There but we I go, think you're Nipsey. getting, yeah, you're like bringing <laughs> consciousness forward by your selection of what you give to people. It's you selecting and it's you editing what your thoughts are. And that's a kind of power. If you had a superpower, maybe people would like to have your superpower. Well, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think that is a superpower. Yeah. Again, and it's a talent. Mm -hmm. I think it's so mm -hmm. interesting when you, mm -hmm. when you kind of have to go there and Everybody, when somebody dies, it's, I'm always fascinated with this, especially especially working on these crime cases. Everybody says, oh, they were so sweet and they're so nice. Have you ever had anybody say, she was really a bitch? <laughs> like, no, I'm glad right. she's gone. No. Everybody's, everybody that ever dies was the nicest, the nicest person. person. They were right. an angel. Right. They were so quiet. And it is actually true the the, the good die the young. good go go young yeah. but they're we'll artists they're the artists and they, they have are. inspired us and we can't hate them for their you know humanness and their faults you know like we're all flawed yes. and we're all flawed but you know what advice would you give someone in that darkest time of their life i mean personally from your soul yeah. piece you've been brought up a certain way to see things you know through your family and your education and your culture and the things that we're striving towards i mean what would you what would be the time the, the advice you would give people i guess it's twofold you know i recently had a friend chesley christ she committed oh, suicide yes. and none of so us saw sad. it coming I'm sorry about that, Is that no Yes. Oh, yes. I'm we just, heard, we're devastated. We heard gruesome details we are, about we're that. We were devastated yesterday. last night. We had a powwow over that. I, well, I, I have so her sorry. last, she, we were with Zach Posen in different sessions. I have her drawing that oh, she you, did. Oh. Um, so I'm going to frame it and hold on to that forever. But I would say to her, I would have said, just hold on one more day because yeah. in that moment, it can get better. I've been in that valley before and I never thought I'd be somebody that was depressed, but life can happen. And you did you see to, it coming? No. Nobody did. But and when as, you're a, not, as a strong black woman, you know what I mean? Did. Was that just it was too much to bear, do you think? Oh, yeah. It, uh, 
I think depression is real, and I think we weren't having those conversations about mental health. We need that, to have those yes. conversations because people are putting the stigma on those things that are so important. When our consciousness is open and people are in their darkest moment, it's because they have to see some light. Yeah. You know, and when you're putting yourself and your ideas forward about these things, it gives light to other people. And now this devastation of your friend, and we are in shock. I mean, I am so in pain yeah. over it that it, it, we, we need to that, talk about it. We heard that she was actually lying in the snow for mm -hmm. quite a long time before they realized that she was dead. I didn't hear those details. I guess it was just, just too close to home. We heard that yeah. last night. We heard that last night. The from blood didn't even come out of her body. Because she was she in the snow. She landed on the snow. It was snowing that day. And she froze. The frozen. So the blood didn't. didn't she you know, landed on out. snow and it was like uh, an uh, angel. You know, she was like an angel that was misunderstood. Well, I have really good friends that worked with her every single day and nobody saw this coming. And, you know, now in hindsight, you try to think about it. I know her mother said she'd recently opened up about being depressed. But she moved here in a pandemic. She didn't know a lot of people. Like, we were supposed to have dinner that week. Like, you just don't. Sometimes you just. Do you feel guilt? Do you feel oh, some yeah, of course. kind of guilt? Of course. No, it's not your thing. It was her time, and it's to bring, you know, she's bringing light to a subject that we all need to embrace. We need to be yeah. more sensitive and more conscious about the people that we have around us. Yeah. And it's not possible to be everyone's mummy, you know. Yeah. They have to take responsibility also for their own lives. Yeah, I think she just was in pain. And, you know, be, and look, what do you, you do for your mental health, then? What's yeah. your regimen to, like, just... Sometimes yeah. you got to shut it down and you can't take you have everybody's energy coming at you all the time because it's always about your the bosses entire and the world what embracing about you? the entire world. How do you love yourself? Yeah. How do you be the woman that's strong and loving to yourself? Well, for many years, my escape, to be honest with you, was my dog Beckham because dogs don't <gasps> want me rest in peace. Dogs want nothing from you. Mm -hmm. So 17 years. That was my big love. And, you know, now I, I read a lot. I try to meditate. Actually, I just sit with my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Sounds crazy. I can sit all day by myself. And they don't play in your head, like, over and over and over, like, do you, do you focus on I can't on obsess the... on it, yes. I can obsess because I am hard on myself. <laughs> no, Philip, you don't. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> well, you're still young. You're not old yet, oh, well, so man. you don't have all that wisdom. But I think you search for the light within yourself because your eyes are so sparkly. They must you. That must be coming from somewhere. You must have Thank angels or, you know, I always feel like you can call in your angels. Do you have any angels that you call I on? do. Besides I, your dog? I do. God is good. <laughs> I, every day I wake up, the first <laughs> thing I do, thank you, Lord, and get we on my knees. We are God people. Yeah. We are God people. God people. God people. God people. As long as I can get on my knees I'm gonna get on my knees and pray so always um I have so many heavenly angels my best friend DM DM Brown who passed away at 34 years old my angel I've got just a lot of people my grandmother so many people in heaven so yeah I've got angels all around me yeah that's some, you're some angels this is yeah we are angels right now we I try to be as a friend I mean we, we're yeah. friends and I I'm I just feel like Alicia's one of those people that shows up when she says she's gonna, or 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 there's a really good reason, which you know when you're friends with a journalist, like last night, I it kind of sucks because right. they they have to go where the call of duty is. Yep. But as a friend, you have to understand that, and I don't throw a guilt. You've of, always been so understanding about um, that, you know. I, and we bonded through a friend, uh, uh, Theo Perry Thepe. Thepe. You know, she was doing her second red carpet for for um, AP yeah. out for the Oscars, and she said, you know, will you come do it with me? And we just bonded from that moment on, and that's tough. You know, I love to see people in the beginning. Like yes. you said, that there's nothing like that bond. And I feel like... Yeah, we know each other from dancing. Dancing. Hey, dancing. Hey, 54. But you have to ask yourself, set. are you an introvert or an extrovert? You know, people wonder about that true self. Like, is that 
Who are you really? I think I'm both. Oh, okay. I think you've got, like, obviously, we, we've all got big yes, personalities, yes. right? You need that. But you also, I think, to fuel a big personality, you need to just chill sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, you, you know, you, if you can't tap from an empty well. Yeah, so you're some, a good listener, too. You, I mean, that's that's be. part Thank of you. listening to yourself and staying alive. <laughs> yeah, stay, that's it, staying alive, because people will deplete you if you allow them, so you just have to protect yourself sometimes. So I, I think I'm a bit of both. Are you both? Well, I think I think the people. No, you're not interviewing. I, I, I'm, <laughs> an, I'm an introvert. No, I'm you're not interviewing. No, ma'am. No, no ma'am. <laughs> Don't answer her question. Thank you, ma'am. I'm off duty. Okay. But well, we're no, not going to do today. Okay. No it's editing. You don't have to edit today. Okay. 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 No, no, we're free here. We're free here. No, you can answer no. her question. No, which is just you know like the memories you have about the most wonderful people that have come around you. I mean, do you have any fun stories? Like yes. the most fun story. Uh, the first, I always loved Carl Lagerfeld, like always. <laughs> Carl doesn't do a lot of long interviews, but I was doing a long interview with him, a print interview for the Associated Press, and I was nervous. And this is back when I really had no money. Uh, What'd you wear? Well, so, uh, Carl, I, I researched and I found out his favorite color was cobalt blue, and okay. Dan from Firstenberg was having a sample sale. There was a $50 rack, and I found this cobalt blue dress. And I wore that dress, and I was sitting in the hall at Crosby Street Hotel, and his rep came out. A French woman, very <laughs> austere, and she goes, "He's ready for you." And I was like, "Okay." And she, I must have looked nervous. Obviously, she's like, "It'll be okay." And um, so she goes, "Hold on." So she goes in the room. I don't know what she said to him. I come in. He was so nice to me. He goes, "I love the color of your dress." <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're yes. so smart. You have intuition. I got Carl to smile, and uh -huh. like he smiled, like he was yes. laughing. And that is not that easy. That was the start of a beautiful relationship. So that uh, that's a good one. You were a star in his midnight blue. He always loved that color because yeah. it was like the candies, those and those Goulois packages. You know, all of that yes. French. Ah, the Goulois packages. Yeah, and that's those candies, it. those French chocolates too. And he was showing me how he went to Canal Street and he had gotten a knockoff of himself. Like he was, they were selling like bedazzled Lagerfeld phone cases and he was funny and then I remember the first time I got tongue-tied ever I was interviewing Giorgio Armani when they did they used to do those stars fashion walk of fame in Beverly Hills oh yeah mm. he, the man didn't even speak English I don't know why I got tongue-tied but I was just I, I loved Mr. Armani mm -hmm. and I kind of I just couldn't get my words out and the translator goes it's okay so those are a couple times that but what out. I love is that Mr. Armani doesn't speak English. English very really? well. Really? But he really? speaks eyebrows and I've been with Mr. Armani. He understands oh, a lot more. Does he now? Well, you have to. How could you be Giorgio Armani? Right. You're in every front row with every. But he's you're... shy. You don't forget there he's a go. crab. He's and, and there you go. This was many years and ago, so maybe go. his English shy. wasn't as good, or maybe I was there just you Maybe you intimidated him. <laughs> <laughs> You're a beauty. Yeah. yeah, maybe it was just, oh, <laughs> who do you, I want her. Who do you <laughs> wish you could have? Interviewed like if anybody past or present, like both a, a past and a present, somebody who's passed away and somebody who's present. Michael Jackson, he was always um, somebody that I wanted to interview, and you know, you heard rumors about drug use and all that, but you, nobody thought he would go, at least I didn't. Yeah, yeah. um, I wish that I, I mean, it covered Prince before, and I remember a month before Prince died, his publicist called and she goes, Okay, come to it. Was, was it Marquis? It was a little place there. And he had come in. Harry Belafonte was there. Wow. We were all there. Wow. And I went outside. I'm like, I'm going to see him. I swear he was looking right at me. He comes in and he smiles and he just played all this music for us. And a month later, he was gone. But I wish that I could have experienced that. My good friend, Nikesa, went to Paisley Park and she spent time with him. And I have a lot of friends that interviewed him. So those would be. Is there a song that sticks in your head about him? Oh, gosh. Uh, it's always Purple Rain. And then I remember the last concert I saw of him at MSG. And he was pulling people on stage to dance. And I remember he pulled Kim Kardashian on stage. And she would not dance. 
And he kicked oh, her wow. off the stage. He was like, you got to go. And you got to go. Wow. Go. If you don't dance, get Honey, out. Honey, shake it. Shake yeah. it. Shake Goddesses it. dance. That's you right. must have been dancing. That's right. So we were, <laughs> we were dancing until about 3 a.m. Um, with him at the at, at the at the club. But yeah, that was a good memory. And he used to have great Oscar after parties. You remember oh, yeah. those? I've been I never to went. some of those. Yeah, I went to one of those at the the Beverly Wilshire. At the Beverly Wilshire. I have to introduce you to Apollonia. Please. Apollonia oh, I, met her. Like, I met her. I met her once. Have you met her? She's yes. one of my best friends. When we're in LA, let's grab a dinner or I something. She has a to. podcast now. I, that I met her really with Sean great. Robinson. I'd love to. Yes, yes. I love Sean. Me too. She's good I people. Love Sean. She's, she's a God girl. Yeah, she's, yeah, God she's a God girl. girl. Yeah, she's a God girl. Absolutely. Oh, I have a good story. So my Madonna story comes full circle. So after I did not run that, um, a good friend of mine, I'll, I'll, we'll leave his name out of it. He's he's a big time magazine guy. He does all the covers. Anyways, at the time he was like, I love Madonna. I just want to meet her. So it was after party for one of her screenings. And, I, you know, when you're young, you've got just balls of steel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I go, okay. That's That's like I had chutzpah. So. I can out-party you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we go into this party. And, guys, I don't know John Travolta. I go, oh. Johnny. And he comes and gives me a hug. I don't know him. So good. So we're just. Hands off, Johnny. We're living our best <laughs> lives. And so Madonna's at this table with Debbie. Um, was it Mazar? Mazar, yeah, yeah. And the bodyguards are there. I go, come on. You're, you're going to meet Madonna. He's like, what? The two guards stop me. They're like, No. And I go, Madonna. She knew it was up. She's like, let her through. So we go through. My friend gets on his knees and kisses her ring. That was a bit much. Okay. But I'll, he, to, to this day, he'll lie about the story. But that's what happened. And then we, <laughs> we partied at her table. Say his name. <laughs> we partied at her table all night. He thought I was the coolest person. So that was that was a cool memory. I love when you can do that for friends. That is the most amazing thing. Because we live in this world. We're around celebrities and fabulous people all the time. And when you can bring your 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 homeboys or your homegirls with you and share that See, experience, it's magic. Yeah, yeah but magic. what about that person? personal ritual of getting ready. I mean, how is that? Are there people around you? I mean, what's going on in the chaos? Oh, how do you handle that? Miss Thing, Miss Thing is her own stylist, let me oh, tell you. I Miss Honey. I heard you with that blue dress, and then yes. what happened? Well, okay, I will give it up, because I've, I've had some great stylists, so I'll give yes. it up to that, and great friends that helped me, but I think I've sucked up the knowledge, and I like yeah. to style myself, and they'll keep it real. Like, I knew wearing the sweater, Philip was going to be like, uh-uh, but I wore it. But I picked it. I like the sweater, but I picked at it. I was like, let me just get that little fuzzy thing. Yeah, and but it's okay. It ma it matches your spirit and your emotion in the moment. You say, "Ah, oh, today this is." I'm rebelling today. Yeah, <laughs> rebelling is what we need. Yeah, I, you know, I've had the pleasure of learning from some of. So for years, I was picked and prodded. I called it. It's an art to it, though. The hair, the makeup, the clothes. And at some point, you just don't want to be touched. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you, you know, so been there, done that, Pat. Oh well, you know, mm -hmm. we sometimes run into that cut her hair off and don't touch my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was in that phase, but you got to respect yeah. everybody's artistry and appreciate yeah. it. I just mm -hmm. think COVID has changed a lot of things, mm -hmm. so you got to become your own person oh, sometimes. Well, we want to hug and hug you and love you and do all of those things and go out and dance yes. and see people again. You know, what oh. do you have coming up next? Tell us what's oh. next. What do you want to do next? Like, what's your dream job? Well, right now I'm so blessed because I have two jobs. So I have the Daily Mail, Daily Mail TV job, which I love and adore. Then I also work for Good Morning America 3 as a contributor. I think my dream job is to host my own show. Like to really, yes. Like I get, a, but this is kind. Of like it is. is. You have it's, a co-host. It, yes, it's very. Like I really want to, and I've been able to do that. Put a look at co-host. Yep, co yes. yeah. You gotta love your co-host. Yeah, yeah. We have you really do. We have Thomas yeah. Roberts. He's the anchor. He's awesome. I work with Amy and TJ. I've worked with really great and Dr. Jen, great people. <laughs> but I just think. I love what y'all are doing, right? Tell your own stories. Pick your content. And I've gotten to do a lot of that. So 
continuing to just, I always think the job of a journalist is to shine a light where people don't see it. Exactly. Or to bring people happiness in my case. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But these people motiv motivate you to keep going. Absolutely. Team, right? Yeah. And that's kind of like team spirit. You yes. know, you have to have that. You can, if it takes a village. Yeah. I, I work with great producers, have good bosses, so all of that comes into play. And you gotta enjoy this moment because sometimes you work with shitty people. Absolutely. But that's not the moment. We're very lucky at DNR here. We yeah. have Romaine mm -hmm. over and here. Romaine. Romaine. She's quiet. With our She's quiet. She's yeah. quiet. Uh -huh. but, but, you know, one of the great things and why we came here was because we got to pick our own name, we got to pick our own content, we got to pick our own guests, and we get to own it. And that that is it, that is such a huge thing in the business as a creator, as an artist, to own, own your own your name. content yes. and own your name. Yes. And to take it to places where it needs to go in the future and how it continues living. I've never understood how, how industries could take someone's name. I mean, I'm sure you've seen that with We've designers. Seen that so We've seen that. So, I mean, with designers, I'm, I'm just initially thinking Music of Tina artists, Turner. She yeah. walked away. Just give me my name. Have you Of course, that her? happened with Halston. No, because... And Zach. Yep, and Zach. Zach. Uh, who's my good friend, um, Tina rarely comes to the country, so I've never interviewed her. But growing up, she was my everything. Have you seen the Broadway show? Oh, have, three times. Have you seen the Michael Broadway show? No, not yet. Well, oh, we should go see, see that. Go see we gotta. We have to see that. I want to go see that. Let's the go. Michael's but Tina Chance, she's like very spiritual. Yes, yeah, absolutely. She's Buddhist. You can. She's you Buddhist. can. Have you Googled it? You can. You can hear it. I, like you can get it on mm -hmm. YouTube. Oh, like, yeah, just, oh yeah. Google mm -hmm. Tina's chance. It's mm -hmm. really okay. fascinating because it's Tina and she's Namioho Renge Kyo and all the way. Well, her. that's a showbiz thing. They've been doing that backstage for years. Really? And she fell into it. You yeah. know, and she's lucky. Yeah, but what's your favorite quote now out of anybody that you have talked to? I mean, that's kind of difficult because you've talked to so many people. Well, there's there, That is true. There's one that always stuck with me. Um, you know, Jennifer Hudson, who lost her entire family pretty oh, much brutal, murder. Brutal, brutal, we, we brutal. We suffered brutal. through that, too. Yeah. I, was, I, I have pain from that. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. And she had just, I was interviewing her, and she had just gifted her best friend, who's her childhood best friend and assistant, a house. And they videoed it, and he was crying. And I said, you know, just talk to me about that. She goes, it's very simple. Give blessings with your blessings. So I just always stick by that. Like we all have such give blessings with your blessings. Give blessings yes, with yes. your blessings. Shaq has been doing a lot of that lately. Have you seen what he's doing? I, I hate that he has to video it, but you know, but but this is the time we live in. He just goes into stores and buys stuff for people now. Which is every day. But that's his spirit. Like if you know him, he's 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 a big person. Do you giving. know where he's going to be? Is he going to be at Bergdorf's anytime <laughs> soon? Because I think we should show up I there. I think we should too, True. I think all three I of think, us need to. I think we should set that and up. Right? We can make his dream come yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, we can we're ready. Shaq. <laughs> Bury my ashes here at Bergdorf's. Shaq, we're at Bergdorf's. Shaq, we need it. Alicia, Alicia, where, hey, do the Alicia. We're over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And John, did you get to interview John Travolta? You know, I've interviewed, I've interviewed John many times, like junket style, but I haven't seen him in many years. Years and obviously, gosh, Kelly yeah. Passed. Oh, tragic. But you know the thing about that tragedy is we we suffer from it too. We suffer from all of our stars having hard moments because we know how hard it is for them to find love. Because yes. finding love is something important too. You yeah. know, how did you meet your significant? Yeah. Oh well, okay. I was I was with somebody for thirteen years, married for seven, and now I'm, I'm dating someone. That's another yes, story. For another I day. like him. Yeah. I like him. Well, well, you know, I like him. Well, that's I think a good he's bubble. Got you. Gotcha. It's hard to be a powerful woman mm -hmm. and, oh, and keep a man. <laughs> it really is. And you know, you think sometimes that you're, I try to have that balance, right? Because long time, your marriage should come first, and it did. Then I was working my butt off. And you try to have that balance, but people can get resentful towards you. And you've got to be at peace with yourself. Shalom in the home. So, <laughs> oh! I was like, I can be 
be happy by myself. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like, Maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I've got two good ones from her day. So uh-huh. shalom in the home and bring light where there's yeah. darkness. Um, yes. Blessings with blessings. Blessings, blessings. And what was blessings. the one I bring light where there's darkness? Oh, bring light did where I say that? Yeah, you did. Uh, about yeah, she being did. a journalist. Oh, and I love yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, just shining a, well, shining a light. But also, I got that because Ralto Cronkite on his deathbed, people always, as entertainment journalists especially, even when I was at the AP, people would look down on you, right? Like, yeah. no, you're not a serious it's journalist. Terrible. Well, you know. And I remember they said Walter Cronkite on his deathbed said one of his biggest regrets was not leading the newscast with Elvis dying because he trivialized entertainment. And wow. that always stuck with me. I cover a lot of crime, a lot of this, a lot of that, but people want to put you in a bubble because of what you do. Yeah. Mm-mm. Oh, she's not a serious journalist. I don't care. Guess what? I'd rather be interviewing celebrities, being glam, than covering murders. I just would. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Oh Shalom in the home every the time. Home. Shalom in the home, Carls. You are not a quarreler. You just make <laughs> us appreciate you, your name, what you do. and uh, we Tell have... us where people can find yeah. you. Oh, mm-hmm. you can find me five days a week on Daily Mail TV, also on Good Morning America 3, and the Instagram is at Alicia L. Quarles. I hope you enjoyed spending time with Alicia and Pat and I as as much as I enjoy spending time with both Pat and Alicia. It's kind of like hanging out with us, I think, but we get even a little deeper than when we're hanging out. Very, very interesting. And and it was so sad to hear about her her friend committing suicide. There were so many things that you learn about someone's life when you just take the time to listen. I think there's so many times in life where people are so busy talking and they're so busy telling a story and they're they're not even telling the story to hear the response. But when you really take time and listen, I think you really can learn a lot about life and people. And I think that really changes our lives every day. I think that can really change our lives every day. And I think Alicia's life is changing very, very big things happen spiritually and her job and in and, and her relationships. And it's a whole new world out there for her. So watch her on Good Morning America. I think you'll enjoy her journey of pregnancy and lots of surprises on that. Harry Azuka was the top of the modeling industry. He was really the epitome of of the dream, really living his best life. When you looked at Harry, he was always smiling. He brought his friends together. He wasn't out to be the best. He was out to be part of the best. He was really a team player, which isn't something we really find in models. Often they are self-centered and, and, and really just trying to do their own thing and get to the top, claw their way to the top by any means necessary. But this story is is dark. This is a story of good versus evil. This is a story of keep your friends close and keep your enemies closer. This is a story where you really see that you can't believe everything you hear and everything you see. And people are always looking out to be haters. I I never really understood in the business haters, haters. People talked about haters. But there comes a point in your life and your career, like Harry, when he learned who a real hater really was, George Coe. Stay tuned for this. Thank God for fashion. I think there's so much crime in fashion because people are drawn to fashion. I got into the business of fashion to tell stories. Flashes all around. Top model Gia got it all, all at once. At the end of the day, it's the comeuppance. The runway cat mine. We have very eclectic personalities. I'm here with Philip Blosh. My fabulous co-host, Pat Cleveland. Biggest crime in fashion has been the death of Versace. Shortly before 9 a.m., fashion designer Gianni Versace was shot on the steps of his villa. And now I get to tell the stories of people I love in fashion. When people are caught and they have to pay for their crimes. Body found yesterday in the Seine River in Paris. How did she die? Katusha Neon. Sylvie Cachet was on top of the world. Her body found in an overflowing bathtub. You're listening to True Crime, Fashion and Passion with your host, Philip Locke.
Here we are at True Crime, Fashion, and Passion. This is where we dive into some of the deepest, most sensational stories in the fashion industry. And with me today is my co-host, Carol Alt, one of my favorite fashionistas. Hey, Philip, I wanted to thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast with you. I'm so excited to talk about all these stories. Well, you're a true crime fanatic. You're actually, actually my inspiration for getting involved in this. So it's really exciting, and I'm glad you pushed me to do something a little out of my... A little my, out of your yeah, comfort my, zone. Yeah, <laughs> my comfort zone. Well, these are some really deep, intense stories, and... As you know, many of them are my friends, people that we've worked with over yes. the years, people that you know. You know what's so crazy, Philip, is that you don't think of this happening in the fashion industry because we have such a glossy outlook to the world. And when the world looks at us, it looks so perfect. And then you started bringing me these stories, and I was shocked at how many stories and how interesting each story and each person was. And I'm so glad you're doing this because we get to talk about each of these people who deserve to be talked about. I think legacy is always so important in our business. We we live in these moments and we have fun. We we do all these gorgeous pictures and go into all these amazing places and meet incredible people. But then suddenly it's really about history and legacy and and before you know it you're part of history or things are our history and or you're I, iconic which is always crazy because <laughs> exactly <laughs> legendary wait a minute i'm still alive i'm wait. still alive while well, those calendars and those sports illustrated covers live on forever and i think that's why we all get into the business and when i got the idea to do this and was inspired by you i really wanted to make sure we weren't just talking about the criminals the murderers or you know the negative part i wanted to talk about the legacies the people the people the real the heart and the soul because because when there's a murder or when somebody commits suicide or there's some or of these crimes. Or an accident. Are, yeah, accidents or some of these crimes are crazy. We have so many. I'm so excited. Anyway, let's start with our first crime today, Harry Ozuko. You know, I'd rather say let's start with our first person. Yes. Our first fashionista. Let's start, our, let's start with our first fashionista, yes. our first model, Harry Ozuko. Yes. Harry was born the se September 25th, 1992 in Dingham, London. He was raised by a single mom. Josephine was from Nigeria, which is really interesting as we get into the story. I'll tell you a little more about that. And Harry's father was never really involved in the story very much. He was raised by a single mom, which we, we know is really difficult. Yes, but you know what's so great about Harry is he was great in school. He loved math. He was very determined and he was a super upbeat guy. And that's so nice to see in someone who came up in a single-parent household. Absolutely, and not in the best part of London by any means. He also had a brother that was very influential. His brother's name was Edward, who went by Ed. Ed. And they, and exactly. And they were both men of faith. Their mother was very religious and taught them to be men of faith. And, and I think this is really what helped Harry change his life when as he went along in, in his path as a model and got to be a model. Well, didn't his brother Ed bring him into the modeling industry? I, I know that he was kind of a fish out of water when he entered into the modeling industry, but they saw star potential in him. And his brother, Ed, is the one who brought him into the industry. Apparently, you know, Harry had definitely had some problems of his own. He had got involved with the wrong crowd back in 2008 when he was just 16 years old. He and his friend Jeremy got involved in a little cash delivery truck robbery there. Nothing, nothing too serious. Uh, but he, he spent four years in a youth offender's home. And in that time, his brother, Ed, came to him and sort of reminded him who he was. Who he was. And brought him back to- and what his faith was. Absolutely. And I think that really does a lot for all of us in the industry. If, if you lose track of your faith, if you lose track of your friends. You have to keep your feet on the ground in this industry. It's very important to have good friends. It's very
very important to have faith. I found my faith is always what I fall back on. Whenever I have a question, I go, well, what, what do is, I do? What does my faith <laughs> dictate? Yes. And, you know, we're both Long Islanders. That was, I think, one of our first bonds. We're yes. both from Long Island and we're Long Island strong. And I, I still have all my family and my friends. Well, I don't have my family, but I have all my friends from my childhood. I'm still best friends. I, I live at the moment with one of my best friends I grew up with. And I know you're very close with your family. Yeah, but Harry was able to turn his life around. That's what's so amazing about him. He was so young when he passed, but he was so able to turn his life around, going from robbing a cash delivery guy to the next thing you know, he's brought into an agency and they're looking at him saying, you're a star. Well, I think I've had similar experiences. I think that was part of my path. You know, when I started as a model in... in Back in the 19 era. <laughs> Those days when you were on the covers. So wait, I was before you even, I was started. <laughs> you were a child model like Brooke Shields. Um, you know, and, and I think books like for me, it was out on a limb and Harry, Harry's brother Ed brought him the secret and, and manifestation advice. You know, it was all about the laws of attraction. And somewhere along the way, if you're lucky enough to have someone give you that spiritual guidance, it can change your life, whether it's before your modeling career, yeah. sometimes in the middle of it or something times after it. It's really interesting when faith comes to certain people. I think we all get into the business thinking it's going to be so glamorous and we're driven by the success and the fame and the all the excitement of it. But somewhere along the way, you have to get in touch with a higher power. I have to say here that I think that the people who really make it big aren't the people who are looking to be famous and who look desperate like that. It's usually the people like a Harry who come into it and say, this is a, a great career path. This is where I can make a mark. This is where I can help people. And Harry was very good at helping people. Harry was very considerate. And, and also, I think he wanted a better education too. Part of when he was in jail, he enrolled in college for two years. He really started to oh. build his mind. You know, he knew, okay, this is not right. I'm going down the wrong path. I got to get this cleaned up. And I think as he went on an appointment with his brother to the modeling agency and they saw that spark, that shine, which we all know really does yes, not happen. Yes, the it happen. factor. No, but the it factor, you can look at somebody, I don't know what it, what it is, but you can look at somebody and you can tell they're a star. You can tell. It's 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 intangible. And Harry had it. It's one of those things, it really is my most one of my most favorite things about the business. I always think of a story about J Lo. I was I walked into a studio, they were shooting a, a Vanity Fair cover with Cameron Diaz and J Lo and Kate Winslet, you know, that that Hollywood issue right. they do every year. It was the big fold out cover. And I walked into the studio, I was meeting a publicist there to meet her new client, Jennifer. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And I walk in and all of a sudden I see this girl on the other side of the room and she's changing and I just see her from the back and she kind of looks over her shoulder in my direction and our eyes meet. And mind you, there's racks and racks of clothing, every designer in the world, all the shoes, all the jewelry, all the other glamorous movie stars that I'd seen, some of them I'd already met and worked with. And I was like, hey, Cameron. Hey, Kate. And I was like, wow. Yeah, she and got it. She had it. I will never forget that moment. Carla Bruni, the same thing. Thing. The it factor is something you really, Harry, the same Harry, thing. Harry, the same thing. I, I didn't get to meet Harry, but when you see that or you meet those people, it's something that regular everyday people don't get to experience. I, I don't think we meet people that are charismatic like Romaine. <laughs> but or maybe but, we don't we don't meet them in a moment when they can show that charismatic part of themselves. So But it really is something to see that I I, I swear it is is one of the most important parts of the industry or one of the most um sexy parts of the industry, just just being able to 
able to experience that with people. You know, Harry was really disappointed with his life and wanted to turn it around, and he got the opportunity. And when he got the opportunity, he did things like helping his friend out. He, Jeremy asked for a loan, and Harry said, here's the loan. You're not, I'm not giving you five pounds. I'm giving you 300 pounds. And he, when Jeremy tried to pay it back, Harry said, no, I've been so blessed. I need to pay it forward. And he helped his friend out. And this was the friend he got into trouble with Absolutely. years before. Well, you know, you got to take care of your homeboys, your ride or die folks. You know, those are the ones that are yeah, that Not are many people you. remember them when they become stars. These are the people you, you know, you dump away. And, and he didn't. He kept those people and helped them out. And that's really cool. Well, you know, Harry started his career in 2010 when he went with his brother to the modeling agency. And it was, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. It's, so he was like, he was like 18. He was like 20. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because he was born in 1992 and he started his career in 2010. So, I mean, he was really young. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's the industry. Yep. The industry, you know, shine bright, burn out fast a lot of times. Uh, Harry didn't have the opportunity to burn out fast, that's unfortunately. That's the sad part of this story. But I think mm -hmm. also, as, as you know, especially now more than ever, the industry is very, I don't want to say fetished, but I will. It's very fetish oriented. They love what they love in the moment they love it. And Harry came at the right time. It was all about the tall, thin, dark skin African boys. Interesting bone structure. It wasn't necessarily, you didn't have to be drop dead gorgeous. You didn't have to have that big muscly body. It was really about that clothes hanger, tall, thin body. And Harry was the right guy at the right time. And there is nothing like that in the industry. When you strike that moment, it, as the you, perfect storm. Yes. You know, you were the perfect storm there. You were, you stood out in a sea of blondes. You know, you were the brunette with the light eyes. You were smart. And that's what they look at. You know, I, I always say in the industry, you can get into the industry because you're beautiful or you're attractive or you're pretty. And these days, not always. Let's be clear. But um, people hire you because of your personality. Yeah. You have to have charisma. You have to be dedicated to the work and not a pain in the ass. Nobody. Well, the thing that was so great about Harry, that time that he came in, Mark Jacobs was very, very popular. And Mark Jacobs designed for very tall, slender people. My ex-boyfriend was a hockey player, had those big hockey playing thighs. <laughs> he could never fit into Mark Jacobs. He was always so depressed. <laughs> but the, he, he designed for people who were built like Harry. So he was good looking. He was nice. He was great to be around. And he was the perfect silhouette for the designers of that time. At the same time, I think you told me that Harry was helping all his brothers, all all the other models. He was creating opportunities for everybody. I think he had somewhat of a posse that he traveled with, with all the guys that, that he was trying to make a coalition so that they could protect each other. Absolutely. And I think the African-American community in the modeling industry has had a rough time. You know, a, a lot of the girls talk about there were no hair and makeup artists that knew how to do black hair. Right. And in Instead of being the one that's going to get it all the jobs, which we've seen in the industry, we yes. won't name those girls' names, but that are like, I'm going to be the one. Harry believed there was room for everybody. everybody. In his first few weeks, he was literally in Alexander McQueen's show. He was at Zara. He was doing Nike. He was a star right out of the gate, which doesn't really happen. Again, we'll, we'll hear a little later in the story how there was another model that kind of had the same experience. I think it was very important for Harry to bring guys together. You can go one way or the other. You can be really selfish and be like me, 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 me. Or you can kind of try and be friends share with everybody and share the wealth. And I, I was always that. I was always the team player. You still I are. <laughs> I loved what I did and I loved the people and, and right. I love to hang out. I like to party. I like to have fun, you know, and I think that's what the business is about. If you're so busy clawing your way to the top, what what are you going to get? You're going to end up in jail <laughs> in, in, in this case. Well, we'll time goes out. by very quickly in this business for sure. So you were talking about there was the other end of the spectrum and I assume you're talking about George, who's the 
other model in this story that we need to talk about. Before we get to George, let's let's finish on Harry a little okay. bit. You know, he was never really obsessed about money either. He shared it, as you said, he shared it with his friend Jeremy. He even went and bought his mother land in Nigeria. I thought that was really interesting. He wanted to have her have a home in the homeland where she came from. And that is just touching. When kids get success and they realize they really would be nothing without their mom. And he was a lover. He he got his first girlfriend in the business, a girl named Loemi. He didn't just, you know, want to do interviews and talk about himself when he would do interviews in the media, he would always talk about Lohemi and he would light up the sky. And you know how that is when you're in love. Yes. <laughs> Been a while, but yes. <laughs> but you know, like, remember when you were in love and you were with your various gentlemen over the years? There's only been one or two. And there really only has. But when you do your interviews, you want to talk about them. It's so funny. So many people are like, I don't want to talk about my personal life. <laughs> it's like, eh, you're in the public eye, you know? And, and when you love somebody... I think they think it makes them more mysterious. But if you're like Harry, what he was trying to do was he was trying to lift Luemi with him. He was trying to create her, you know, help her career along as well. I think that's what's so unique about Harry, why he did what he did. Well, when you love somebody. You want them to have the best too. Absolutely. And they're in your heart. You think about them. You wake up, you wait for that text. And even when you say their name, you smile just a little yes. brighter. Harry had that charm. He had that love and he shared it with everybody. But interestingly enough, he changed agencies pretty soon into his career and he realized, okay, I got to take this to the next level. And he moved to Premier Agency, which is huge, huge. in London. Huge, mm -hmm. huge, huge. Everybody's been with them except me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even uh, think they were around when I was in London. That's I don't why, think they were. I, I started my career in London. That's that's where I actually started. I mean, it's and it's a great community there because they're so creative. London is filled with creators. And in my time, it was so funny. I never had any traction in London at all. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh! I, again, Paris, like, Italy, Russia, even. <laughs> Well, uh, yes, Russia. Yeah. <laughs> Russia even. But, you know, I never, London was never, I don't know why, I speak English. <laughs> and, and you know, it has such a fashion culture. When I when I got there, the same thing, within within a couple weeks, I was on the covers of teen magazines at the same time. I as, had five British Vogue covers in but a never row. Went there. But <laughs> I never went there. I never really worked there. I always worked out of New York. But yes, yeah, so pre yeah, Premier Magazine, uh, Premier Agency, right? Took, uh, sorry, how, do you have, how do you have five covers of British Vogue and then not work in London? I don't know. I don't know. I even had a boyfriend who was shooting Pirates of Penzance in the Shepherd and Studios and spent months in London, didn't even know they had agencies there. That, that's how young I was. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I think the the culture there is just so involved in fashion and it's so creative. So as, as we moved along, Harry would be backstage. And as you know, there's so much time on photo shoots and at runway shows, you're just sitting around doing nothing half the time. So people either smoke. <laughs> there's a lot of smoking. Yes. Uh, gossiping. There's a yes. lot of gossiping. But Harry lived on his iPad. He took his iPad everywhere, everywhere with him. He just sat backstage. He would watch movies. He would post on Instagram. And he was he, helping people on social media, giving advice. The guy just couldn't help himself. He really was had a calling. He had a passion and he had a calling. And I think as we go through a lot of these stories, it's like you see that in these people. A lot of the people that are, are taken too soon are ones that just have this calling in life. Well, I think that Billy Joel was right. Only the good die young. That could be true. Why are we 
still here then? I don't know. We've got a lot more to Maybe do. Maybe we're not as good as we think. <laughs> Maybe we're here to tell the stories of the others. Could be. We have a uh, we have a vision. Somebody told me one day that you know people always say, "Oh, you're an angel." Oh my God, I love you. Everybody loves you in the fashion industry. When somebody called me an angel one day, it really struck me, and I looked up at what an angel was, and I thought about it, and speaking of faith, and and I thought of what am I, and and I asked the question to Google, my my favorite. I talked to God and Google. <laughs> <laughs> they both begin with G. There you go. Probably nothing to do with each other. And the word came up, prophet. A prophet tells stories. Whether it's as a model, as a designer, as an artist, we all have the ability to tell stories. Well, I'm an actor. As That's an actor. That's all I do is tell the story. Okay, so the other half of this story is George. Well, George Coe. George Coe was basically looked very similar to Harry, similar physical attributes, but personality was completely the opposite. When George walked in the room, it was like, if this was a movie, it would go, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. George had a dark side. George was jealous. He was envious. He wanted to make it to the top. He was that girl. <laughs> mean girl. That guy. Yeah. George was the mean guy. He was competitive. Listen, he, I don't know, is he mean? Everybody has their own stories and we've all learned. And until we walk in someone else's shoes, you really don't know this Well, story. as an actor, what they tell us is that there are no evil people because people don't look at themselves as evil. Even the Wicked Witch doesn't look at herself as evil. She just knows she wants something and just tries to get there. So that's what's so great about playing the evil person in a, in a film is that you look at that moment in your life when you go like, I really you know, just fought to have that. To other people, that might look evil. I'm sure George didn't think he was evil, but some of the things he did, why don't you tell us? Well, George was born in 1993 in Liberia and he moved to London when he was three. He was very similar to, to Harry. He grew up in the hood, had a rough beginning. George had been arrested several times for assaulting a police officer. Uh, hey, you know that so isn't going to So it started young. Well. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is never going to work out for you. Assaulting a police officer is just really never going to work out very well. George also had an epiphany. He enrolled himself in college. He, he also understood he was headed down a wrong road and wanted to turn his life around. And Interesting, he, huh? Yeah. Both boys had an epiphany. Maybe one just had a better epiphany. <laughs> or a more complete epiphany. Yes, absolutely. Well, and now it would seem, as we get further in the story, we'll hear how George's life changed. In 2013, while George was in school, he was actually scouted on the street, which happens. You know, I mean, that's one Often. of the miracles in the business, yeah. especially, you know, when you're the right guy at the right time. Talk about that that moment yep. in 2013. So he was about three years after after Harry. Harry was very established in the business by this point. He was hanging out with Jordan Dunn and all the cool rappers. He was really a star. He was a star. And George was like, I want that by any means necessary. And this is where we kind of get to the true crime factor of this of this story. George and Harry met at an Aggie and Sam shoot back in 2015. So again, about two years, two into, years George's, into George's career. Yeah, two mm -hmm. years into George's career. But but he had been studying Harry. Apparently, he knew who Harry was. Oh, he was taking his moves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, don't oh, steal my moves, bitch. Don't steal bitch. my moves, baby. Yeah, don't steal my moves, bitch. <laughs> don't come for me unless I call for you. <laughs> but George was coming. George was coming. George was kind of stalkerish. Oh, yeah. Th that was the other crazy thing about yeah. George. George was like, now, we didn't have all this the whole Instagram Right, thing, to follow know? everything that everybody else did. <laughs> to be obsessed. To be obsessed. If you were working you didn't follow other people. You were just focused on what you were doing. Still to this day, I'm not that obsessed with every, what everybody else is doing. I know. I think doing. we lived in a more naive time. Like you just you focused on what you were doing. But George had the ability to follow everything that Harry was doing. 
Well, some people look and they say, oh, I want to do that too. And other people say, I want to do that. I wanted to do it too. I wanted to I wanted to be on the Vogue cover with you. <laughs> I had I had a couple of male models on uh, the cover of uh, German Vogue and whatnot. Exactly. The, those kind of Bill King shots. GQ. Yeah, exactly. You know, GQ, absolutely. You know, some people are inclusive and some people want it all for themselves. Well, and George wanted it all for himself. So he started following Harry's friends and family on Instagram. Instagram. He didn't just follow them. He tortured them. Well, and then he deleted them and right. then he would then he go would back Go on. back again. So he was playing games. It was what you're saying. really, yeah. really strange. Like he definitely had stalkerish vibes going on. Like George was not the guy you'd want to date. But Harry, he, he actually approached George and said, you know, you got to stop doing this. And then George would stop for a couple of weeks and then he would go back and start doing it again. Can't imagine how scary that is. Well, and you kind of have to reach out to someone and say, hey, you're dealing my stuff. I mean, listen, we've all had our rivals, so to speak, in the industry are people that we've had to say, excuse me, I'm not the one and we're not going to do this. I had a stylist like that in LA that I definitely had to call her out a few times and say, hey, this is not how it's going to go. This is how we're going to do things. I think, you know, Harry had a level of integrity and and honor, obviously. Well, and he was protecting his friends and family from somebody stalking them online. You know, it's interesting that the male factor, the machismo. Yeah, it's different. I don't know many women that would have approached like that. When I was reading it, I, I my heart stopped. I thought, oh my gosh, don't approach him. It's so scary. Like, why would you approach a stalker? Well, I think they both had that strong sense of male pride, that machismo, that strong African male yeah. thing. And yet each one of them, again, handled it completely Be differently. Different. You know, and George was kind of like the bitch, you know, <laughs> he was like kind of sneaking and conniving. And Harry was like, hey, let's talk about this, brother. You know, we're all in this together. We all have the same friends. We're all in the same industry. It makes you kind of wonder if George would have, you know, if he would have approached Harry, if Harry would have helped him, would have included him because Harry was an inclusive person. And there you go. And that would have changed the whole story. The whole story would have had a different ending. If he came at it differently. And I'm sure even in Harry's way, he did reach out and say, hey, brother, what's going on? What 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 are you doing? Why are you doing like this? I don't think Harry was the kind of guy that was like, yo, what are you doing? I think he kind of probably went to him in a loving and cool way. I'm sure he was frustrated and aggravated because it seems like this was pretty persistent. Very. And from what I heard in the business, I have a few friends that had worked with them in, in London. And this was a thing. Like, people were talking about it. Like, well, you can't be in this business. Everything becomes a microcosm. You, you you start to know everything that everybody else is doing, especially because there's Instagram and TikTok and all these things. So Absolutely. And then in the black talks. community, and especially in the black community, there's only a handful of black male models. There's only a handful of I used to call it the models. studio pipeline. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Studio to studio. Everybody would talk. and you know. Yeah, of course. And, you know, some people call it gossip. I just call it having fun and talking. You know, I mean, it's it's... We love our friends and we talk about our friends and what this one's doing. And it's how you do it. It's how it's delivered. And I think, you know, being honest is important. So I think sometimes things are misconstrued. But in this case, there was no misconstruing anything. No. Well, in Harry's life, things were going pretty good, though, other than than this, this kind of row with George. Little problem. He'd, he'd moved into a new apartment in Shepherd's Bush. Right. Had a beautiful girlfriend. He had a beautiful girlfriend. He had a great career. But then George did something that was just a little too weird. And even for George, even for George Co., he started reaching out to this girl, Anna, in Paris, a Parisian model, and invited her to come to London. Anna was a friend of Harry's. Yeah, Anna was a friend of Harry's. Good friend of Harry's, yeah. And she came to London. 
<laughs> Not sure how that worked out, but she, I know how it worked out. But this is where things start to really go wrong. Anna comes to London and she goes to George's place. I think she was staying somewhere else. I mean, actually, no, she came to London and went right to George's place, which is kind of interesting with us too. I think everybody's friends and you feel safe and you feel like, oh, well, you know him, I know him, and you feel like everybody's kind of cool. Nobody's going to do anything to you because you're all friends. Absolutely. And, you know, in, when you're American over in Europe working as I was. It's a community. Yeah, you, you stay in the same hotels. We're all in the same hotels. We're all very... And you see the same people at all the same castings and, and you're all in the same, same agencies. Same hot spots, yes. The same, oh, yes, the hot spots at night. Well, especially in the 80s and 90s. So Anna came over and stayed with George. Anna came over and stayed with George. And instead of, you know, George wooing Anna, he talked about Harry all night long. He was obsessed with Harry. And he even talked about Harry's girlfriend that at the time, Ruby Campbell, who was a Victoria's Secret model. She was an Australian girl, really, really beautiful. Talked about her and said he had slept with her. He was really very braggadocious, as they say, and boastful. And even handsy, he was definitely rapish. He he made several advances at Anna. And, you know, she said, hey, it's not like that. I just came over here to hang out. Let's get to know each other. You know, like, what? Dude, back off. And he didn't. He made about 10 passes at her throughout the night. She somehow managed to stay the night there. I guess time got away from them and she said, okay, she felt safe enough to stay there, but she called Harry in the morning and asked if she could come stay at his place because she, she felt, was, uncomfortable, she felt really uncomfortable and she was creeped out. Let's let's call it like it is. She was creeped out. You know, I mean, George was a lot. What girl wants to go to a guy's house and hear him talking about another guy? I mean, like, it's bad enough when they're talking about another girl, but to be talking about another guy all night and someone that you're friends with, you're going to go to your friend and say like, yo, you better watch out. This, this guy has definitely got a thing for you. I don't know right. if he's got a crush on you or what the story is, but you got to watch. You got to watch out. So Harry being the gentleman he was, he invited Anna to stay with him. As Anna recounted the night before to Harry, he was just blown away. He was like, wow, this guy is really out of control. He just is obsessed with me and I'm not having it. And he texted, he texted George and was like, hey, brother, what's going on here? You know, like, what are you telling these stories? You, you know, and that's when I think the whole big scandal came up about Ruby Campbell, his girlfriend, and and George saying that he had slept with her. And apparently he had been telling other people in the business too, like, who does that? Like, that's when it just gets really, starts to get really weird. Apparently, George wanted to fight instantly. You know, right away that male machismo thing kicked in. And he's like, let's fight. Let's take it outside. Cash me out side. <laughs> but it wasn't just, he didn't want to just do like fisticuffs. I mean, he came armed. So Harry texted George and said, hey, this isn't right. I don't like the way you treated Anna. I don't like what you're saying about me. They kind of got into a whole altercation and, and George said, you know, let's fight. And Harry was like, no, I'm not getting into it. We're not going to go down that route. And Harry hung up the phone. In 24 hours, I don't know how many times George kept texting and calling and escalated. like, let's, he just kept trying to escalate it. And you could just feel that his ego was just inflamed and it was all about ego and you could just see George like like Glenn Close you know <laughs> sitting there like flicking the lights on and off uh, you know <laughs> he was just obsessed with it and you could tell it was growing that obsession was growing in his mind and he really really started to obsess more and more and more about it 
about two or three days later on September 11th, which is an infamous day for all of us Americans, on September 11th, 2018, Harry got a text from George saying, where are you? Let's meet. By this point, I think Harry had just thought about it and was like, hey, I got to resolve this. Like, maybe it is just having a fight with him. So, you know, it seemed that George was just continuing to obsess. And Harry was like, okay, Shepherd's Bush, come on, (laughs) bring it, brother. You know, uh, Harry had a roommate, Adrian Harper, who was part of the group Anon that they were all in, the Brotherhood. Harry didn't even have time to organize that, get to get friends to come because he knew that George was coming with his friends. And I guess Harry's innocence, he didn't even really think that they were going to bring weapons, but, no, but Adrian you'd did. Think, you think fisticuffs, you don't think weapons. And But Adrian knew better. Adrian, they started to think of what could they bring. And of course, they didn't bring knives. They didn't bring guns. They didn't bring baseball bats. They brought these little, the dumbbells. Barbells, Barbells, yeah. you know, that they took the weights off them just in case they needed something, in case they did bring a weapon. I think Adrian was a little more street savvy and and thinking ahead. And the sad thing about this is it all happened so quickly, as as often a crime does, uh, you know. But this was premeditated. George was thinking about this for days. He was stewing at 3.51 in the afternoon. Harry and Adrian stepped out of their house. They literally looked down the street, saw... They were already there. Yeah, they were already there. They were getting out of a minicab. I love that they took a cab to the fight. That's kind of crazy. And he could see, right, there were three guys, Jonathan Akibo, Merstalanda, Apparently, Jonathan didn't have a weapon, but Merce had, had a, a, machete. Ha- a machete in his hand, and, and George, George had two had knives, knives. Two knives, one in each hand. That has to be the most frightening thing. Jonathan immediately ran towards Adrian and chased him down the street. I, I don't know why Adrian ran or why he ran down the street. Well, and didn't two run guys the house, that were unarmed, but- basically. And they basically cornered, they cornered Harry between a car and a fence, and it's all caught on TV. It's all caught on CCTV, cameras. CCTV, yeah. It's crazy that they have it right on closed-circuit television. In a matter of moments, they stabbed him. He stabbed him right in the heart, and and they ran off. Harry... How do you run? I mean, you're on television. Where are you going to run? They're even seen wiping the blood off their knife on their pants on the camera. Oh, my God. This is the thing in these times with social media, with cameras everywhere, especially London, you can't get away with anything. I don't know why people still do these crazy things. You are, smile, you're You're on on candid camera. camera. I mean, baby, your life is about to change. And I don't know. Well, that's the thing. What did George think? He was going to go kill Harry and then go back to his life, go back to modeling, go back to being a star, going back to his social life. What did he, I mean, you have to wonder what somebody thinks when they do something like this, because pretty much almost... Almost all the time you get caught. Nowadays, especially because there's cameras everywhere. You can't do that. And and in the industry, what are you going to do? Cut his face? <laughs> you know, how are you going to do this? And then you're not going to get called in by the agency, by the police. Everybody knows yeah, yeah, your everybody. life's over no matter what you do after that. The, your life's over. so irrational. And it's not even like it's so just So he killed Harry and he killed himself. He killed his own career. He basically, and, and everybody suffered for it. You know, the, the George Co. pleaded guilty to two charges of possessing a knife. All three men were sentenced on the 21st of September, 2018. George Co. was 24 years old and received a life sentence with a minimum of 25 years in in prison. Like, dude, you're going to be 50 when you get out, if, if even that. And you know, it's very interesting. I mean, I've never understood how people get out early, how people get Good small. Good behavior. I don't, I, I don't understand. You took a life. That person never gets to come back. Yeah. Harry's mother never gets to hold him. Ruby Campbell never gets to marry All him. All right, don't get emotional, Philip. You know, I, I think it's I know, sad. It's, I it's think very you, sad. When you really go to the other level and, and, you, and you think about that, like... Well, you know, she... His girlfriend is now without him. His mother's without him. His brother's without him. He's got no life. And George 
comes in and he's got no life now. And Merce has got no life now. I mean, the one thing that he was fighting for was he was trying to get a better career by getting rid of <laughs> Harry. And that's the one thing he didn't end up with. Well, he sure got famous. The interesting thing about this is interesting aftermath. You know, George is now sitting in jail doing TV interviews. He's getting trying to get paid to do TV interviews. He's writing a book, which I don't even think you can do that in America. I think if you're- In America, you're not allowed to profit from crimes like that. I don't know what it's like in London. He's writing a book and he's doing artwork. Now he's trying to go under this whole guise of that he's learned his lesson. And you know, the best thing about this story was he even is quoted as saying he cried like a baby or as I say, he cried like a bitch on his way to jail because that's when it finally hit him. That's when it finally hit him like, whoa, I'm not going to get away with this. Like my whole life has changed. But he really well, is he wasn't changed. crying for Harry. He was crying for himself. Exactly. And you know what? There's the thing. And that shows- that's the moral of the story. That's the moral of the story and the difference between Harry and George. And another side to this that's that's really sad is Ruby Campbell kind of got dragged into all this. She never slept with George. She was in love with Harry. And basically, she got vilified on social media. I mean, she was getting death threats. Like, how did people. that happen? People are just how crazy. How they made that leap that they could believe somebody who was a murderer well, in the people, stories of, that he was fabricating about other people. You know, there's so much negativity on on the internet. It's really, really strange. I mean, I'm sure you see it. I have the strangest comments come into my my uh, my my internet sometimes on my on my Instagram page. People just say the weirdest things. Like they are provoking a fight. People love to provoke a fight. They are so cowardly in real life, but suddenly behind the screen, they're villainous and they can take over. This is a really, really sad story on so many counts. You know, I think the love and the the heartwarming condolences that came from so many celebrities around the world. world. People really reached out. And this is one of those stories that has grown over time. Kind of, you know, being beautiful and dying young is very interesting. It become you become legacy like Gia, you know, our friend Gia over the years. Legendary, you know, I mean, people look up to them in some way, and, and Harry was really. Are you going to do a Gia story? You know, I've thought about it. That's a little, that's a little close to home so far. We'll, we'll definitely get into her somewhere along the way when I'm I not so Sandy, weepy about these. I think things. Sandy would love to come and talk. I, I think that would be really, really fun. I think that there would be a lot. I think of tears. a lot of people want to know more about Gia. She was really one in a million, and I think Harry was really one in a million too. Yeah, I think that's the lesson. You know, even if it doesn't end up well for Harry, Harry took the high road. He had in integrity and that's what's important in life you know knowing that you did the right thing i think the most important thing we learn from these cases is about the love and the legacy that someone leaves behind i just want to get a little mushy and read a quote from ruby campbell harry died because a man had a jealous obsession with harry he came to his house with two of his friends knives and intentions to kill since this event has happened i'm so sad and heartbroken i had finally found someone i was so happy with and he was taken from me this makes me so sad I have had a hard time this year grieving and I am still grieving. Harry was my love. I have never lost a person in my life and I am receiving multiple death threats and multiple social media accounts using tragedy as clickbait. There is so much to be said about that quote, her loss, her grieving, her life will never be the same. I understand that. And how people in social media use this as clickbait. This is entertainment. You know, I think we do these stories to tell of love and and what not to do. I don't I don't see this as entertainment. I see this as as legacy and and talking about what's wrong with the world and 
how we can change it and make it a better place. One, one fashionable look at a time. So thank you for joining us today. I hope everybody liked this story. And when we tell these stories about crime and murder, it's not for the fun. It's not for the sensationalism. It's really because there's so many lessons to be learned here. It really gives you something to think about when you think of all the lives that are touched by these senseless murders. For what? For what reason? Because of the braggadocia, the machismo, you know, trying to to prove something. You know, you have someone like Ruby Campbell. Her life will never be the same. How do you love someone? How do you meet the perfect partner and then lose them to what? Street violence. Isn't part of the struggle of coming from nowhere and working to the top and being part of the dream leaving all that violence behind, all that negativity behind. I guess it just goes to prove you can you can take someone out of the hood, but the hood will will always be in you and it, it it's sad. It's sad that, that that level of violence was brought to the modeling industry. I think Harry will be remembered for a long time for much better reasons than George Co. And although George selfishly still in jail is looking for attention and to get his ego stroked, he feels like he's probably a bigger star than he thought he was in the modeling world. It's sad, but people will always remember that it was Harry that had the heart of gold. So next week, you have to check out our next episode is going to be a true crime in fashion episode. So you have to check this out. It's Sylvie Cachet. She was an amazing bathing suit designer, and she ended up, well, I can't tell you. You're going to have to listen next week.